There is a podcast that lies between the imagination of two simple-minded earthlings. Travel with these two longtime friends, Jimbo and 80s E, as they attempt to explore the fifth dimension. Follow along with them as they take the key and unlock the door to the vast space between shadow and substance. This podcast is one of trivia, of insight, and of sounds and ideas from one of the greatest television shows ever produced. You are embarking on a timeless journey. There is your signpost up ahead. You are entering the tragedy of cinema's Twilight Zone. The note that this man is carrying across a club room is in the form of a proposed wager. But it's the kind of wager that comes without precedent. It stands alone in the annals of bet-making as the strangest game of chance ever offered by one man to another. In just a moment, we'll see the terms of the wager and what young Mr. Tennyson does about it. And in the process, we'll witness all parties spin a wheel of chance in a very bizarre casino called the Twilight Zone. Hello? Are we on? Jimbo? Oh, he's he's in the silence. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is a Tragedy of Cinema uh, podcast, the Twilight Zone edition. And uh, apparently... Jimbo is sworn to silence. He he refuses to do the opening. So I'm ADZ, and uh, this is the uh, Twilight Zone season number two, episode twenty five. Jimbo, you can jump in. Oh, you, are you ready? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We wanted to throw everybody a little swerve there because this is uh, the episode, the silence. Um, it is a very um, uh, different episode than what we experienced just last week when we covered the Rip Van Winkle caper. Yeah. Um, this is a very, very good Twilight Zone twist. Um, you can't help but feel sorry right. for this guy. Um, but Eric, I have a question for you. Sure. How, <laughs> what did you ever, okay. First of all, did you ever have one of those friends that made a bet, but like, uh, but you can't be silent for like two hours or, or whatever, or, yeah. or, you know, did you ever get the silent treatment from somebody? And, oh, every, yeah, all the time. <laughs> I mean, for those of us that have been married a while, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> silence is golden, right? But, yeah. but, uh, what's the longest you've ever lasted? Um, it's funny. I was going to ask you the same question. I wrote down the same question. Um, I think as a kid, I vividly remember like, challenging myself it wasn't a bet or anything i i've told the story before to my kids too like i want to say i made it almost an entire day without speaking a word i just wanted to like challenge myself to see if i could do it and uh yeah I think, was it hard uh, not really for me at the time because i was I'm sort of introverted by nature anyway and i was younger and you know you just get up you go through the motions, you get up, eat breakfast, go to school. I oh, think, did you do it at school? Yeah, like I think I made it, I want to say I made it like almost the entire day with that, until someone at the end of the day was like, hey man, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you talking? Or something like that. But I have that memory of me like thinking that to myself and challenging myself. What about you? Have you ever tried to do it or made a bet or gone? No, Eric, I don't do stupid bets. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, no, I just... Um, I think I have the gift of gab. I don't think I could do it. I mean, I now, you know, let's be real. Uh, there have been times when uh, maybe your spouse 
I won't name any names, but maybe your spouse <laughs> and maybe um, the, this other person. She's ha- better at the silent ha- treatment. Ha- oh, 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 man. Has a di- I mean, I'm just saying in a, in a, in a, in the fifth dimension, let's say if you uh, have a spouse and, sure. and a husband sure. and the husband is right, but the spouse refuses to agree that the husband is right. Oh boy! Um, but you know that's in the that's just uh, you know a hearsay yeah, from we'll the dimension. A, but, uh, relationship podcast. Yeah, cover all of these issues. Two single guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you might end up. It might be whoa, two single whoa, whoa, guys whoa. after this what episode. Are, why are you bringing me into this? I just said hypothetically yeah. there was a I husband and his mother. But no. Yeah. But but I will say this um, just from experience that. Women are a lot better at it than men. I I will say that hands down. They yeah. they 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 get a grudge. They hold on to it for a long time, and they <laughs> want to make sure you do not forget. And any time in the future that you did forget, they are quick to remind you what happened the last time you were wrong. The Rolodex, so. yeah, they can bring it back up pretty quick for sure. All right, all right, we better oh, move yeah. past it. The silence. This is the Twilight Zone season number two, episode number twenty five. It was directed by Boris, I think it's Sagal, or Sagal. And this one, again, was written by Rod Serling. Um, This looks like it has an original air date of April the 28th, 1961, which you know what time it is. That's right. It's our favorite segment called On This Day in History. On This Day in Film and TV History for April the 28th. Let's go all the way back to 1937, and we have our first animated cartoon electric sign displayed in NYC. So I'm not exactly sure what an animated cartoon electric sign looks like. Maybe it just has animation on the sign. Anyway, 1937, that's uh, going way back. Let's move ahead a couple of decades to 1975. On this day in TV History, John Lennon is a guest on Tom Snyder's Tomorrow program in what turns out to be his final television interview. Now, I thought about that for a second. John Lennon was murdered in 1980, I believe, December of 1980. So he went five whole years where he was not even on TV. I Hmm. thought that was a long time. That kind of struck me as like, wow, that's a long time from 75 to 80. If that was his, in fact, his last television interview. Well, I think by then the Beatles have broken up anyway. Yeah, and he kind of did his own thing. And he probably was more of a recluse in his later years anyway. Um, I just thought that was interesting. So uh, let's move ahead about 11 years in 1986 and television. The Soviet TV news program, I'm going to probably mispronounce this, but it's spelled V-R-M-E-M-Y-A. Vremya announces a nuclear accident at Chernobyl Mm -hmm. nuclear power plant station two days after the actual event. So the news program, the news broke two days after the actual. (laughs) Have you seen that? Uh, HBO? The Chernobyl Diaries. That was was really good. I thought it was pretty good. Sad. Yeah, very. Um, do you, so do you, on that note, do you know that you can take tours over there? Can you really? It's safe yeah. now enough but to go over there? No, you, oh, you, you got to yeah. everything. Yeah. You oh. want to road trip? <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I'll pass on that would one. You, would you do it, though? Would I go to Chernobyl? Would you, if Full you, hazmat uh, suits? Yeah, if you were... If you were, if you were After uh, seeing that documentary? No. I think it would be... I don't want to say cool, because that makes me sound twisted but i mean you know just to see 
how things are still there. You know uh, what I mean? Like the houses, the the Ferris wheel or whatever. You see that yeah. in the park. And all. I guess that the, would be interesting. I guess like yeah. the wild animals are all taken over and all that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think that, it would be, I guess that part it'd be, be cool for history, but I don't want to get cancer or anything just from the radiation just because I went over there. You yeah, know what I mean? So, for real. But, but hey, you know, that that can happen. The radiation, we probably have more radiation in this room with all the electronics than what's in Chernobyl. Mm, so that boy. makes me. <laughs> Maybe we should put our hazmat suits on too. Put my tinfoil hat on. Yeah. So let's skip uh, several decades ahead to 2019 and Disney's uh, Marvel film Avengers Endgame Boo. made an estimated. <laughs> all right, you you don't like that? Yeah. I'm a DC guy. Remember? Well, it made an estimated 1.2 billion dollars worldwide, and it was the first film to make more than a billion dollars on its opening. So. Uh, yeah, but it took them 20 years to accumulate that from all the shows they did, right? Yeah, that's true. I'm not. I wasn't a real big fan of. Anyway, uh, I know everybody. I'd be getting a lot of hate mail if I said I really wasn't big on Marvel and all that stuff because it's everybody's favorite. Uh, back to TV. That was movie, the Disney movie. Uh, or, you know, they uh, were sponsors for the movie. But 2019, let's go to TV. Let's talk about Game of Thrones. Uh, the Long Night episode debuts with the longest battle scene ever screened at 80 minutes. So mm-hmm. Game of Thrones has the claims the top longest battle scene of nearly 80 minutes and it surpassed the lord of the rings battle of the helm deep which their battle scene was 44 minutes oh that's a good that's a good one though yeah almost double the the length of the battle Mm. scene and uh the tv show tv series game of thrones so that concludes our segment known as on this day in tv and film history um back to our episode Let me go ahead and read a plot. Let me put things in order, and then Jimbo can give us the cast. Uh, The plot for this episode, entitled The Silence, uh, Jamie Tennyson is an overly talkative member of a private men's club. He is challenged by a fellow member, Colonel Archie Taylor, to keep his mouth shut for one year. Should he do so, he would win $500,000. Taylor dislikes Tennyson and if nothing else, finds this as a way to get a bit of peace and quiet at the club. Tennyson will live in a room in the club under observation and will communicate in writing only. As the months go by, Taylor begins to worry that Tennyson may just succeed. He can't believe Tennyson will, but neither party proves to be completely honorable. So, Jimbo... That's our plot. Sure. Um, Tell us about the cast members. Well, I'm going to butcher, butcher uh, Colonel Archie Taylor's name because I don't know if it's yeah, French. I didn't know how to pronounce it either. So, yeah, thanks a lot. So, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going it, it, to, it's Franchot Tone or Franco Tone, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But, I mean, um, he did get a, uh, a he did get a uh, star on the Walk of Fame in 1960. Uh, I did find that out. Uh, but he was in the movie Dangerous from 1935. He was in uh, Muni on the Bounty in 1936. Uh, he was an Oscar nominee for a Best Actor in a. Uh, I can't read my hand. I can't read my handwriting. A best Actor in something. A Grammy Rove, Grammy Hove Dove. Sorry, Francho, but he was an Oscar nominee. Uh, then you had Liam Sullivan, who played Jamie Tennyson, who I think did an outstanding job in this. Uh, so did so did Archie, uh, but he was in Star Trek in 1966. Um, and he was also in this movie called The Magic Sword, if you've ever seen The Magic Sword. And then we have somebody that's no stranger to the Twilight Zone, uh, Cyril Delevante. Uh, he played Franklin. 
who's basically like the butler. Yeah, penny for your thoughts. Yep, he was a, a Golden Globe nominee in 1965 uh, for the Best Supporting Actor for The Night of the Iguana. He was in Soyant Green in 1973. He was in The Invisible Man's Revenge. He was in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Eric, the great Disney uh, movie with Angela Lansbury. I haven't seen it. But he was... Haven't seen it. Wow. <laughs> uh, he was in four Twilight Zone uh, episodes, uh, Pity for Your Thoughts, as Eric said, season two, episode 16, which we just saw earlier a few episodes ago. He's also in season three, episode 22, uh, Piano in the House. Uh, he's also in season four, episode 17, a Passage for the Lady Anne, as well as this episode, The Silence, season two, episode 25. Now, there is a bunch of club members. I'm not going to go through yeah. all of them. Yeah, there's a big cast. Um, I'm just going to hit the these first few, and then I have one on the other page. Um, so, uh, he had Everett Glass. Um, he was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 1956. Felix, uh, Felix Locher. Um, he was in Star Trek 1966, where he played Mr. Johnson. He was in The Munsters for an episode, I Dream of Genie. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, John Holland, also he was in Chinatown in 1974, as well as My Fair Lady. Jonathan Harris, I wanted to make sure I brought him up because he plays George Alfred. He was in Lost in Space where he played Dr. Zachary Smith. He was in A Bug's Life where he played Manny. And he was in Toy Story 2 where he played The Cleaner. He was also in a Twilight Zone episode from earlier this season, season 2, episode 17, in 22. He was in that episode. Do you remember that episode, Eric? I remember the episode 22, but I don't... What was the episode 22 about? It was about the uh, the hospital's day for the, the call girl. Yep. Yeah. Where he, he played the doctor or whatever. So. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, and then we had uh, the last one I'll do. There's like 30 more people, but uh, <laughs> Oliver Cross, um, he was in the Foolish Version uh, in 1924, uh, but he was also in one of my dad's favorite movies, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, uh, where he was a party guest. Uh, he was also in another Twilight Zone episode, season three, episode 36, uh, Cavender is Country. So there is that. So, of course, we have Rod Serling, no introduction needed. Um, so, Eric, kicking it back to you. Yes, sir. So the opening scene for this episode is uh, a men's club. We're like in a lobby, or there's a big fireplace and stuff. It's kind of setting the scene. And the main, one of the main characters, well, he is the main character. Tennyson is rambling on and he's telling a story about this wild investment opportunity that he has. And he's he's bragging, you know, and he's talking about this guy coming to him and uh, and basically wanting to give him money to invest in something that, you know, I like how you see the one guy asleep in the chair with the newspaper. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I see him. That would, that would be Wait me. A if I... Is this the guy? Well, there was one guy um, that the... See, see the, back there? Yeah, the trivia said that he died. Oh, while he was couple, on the... No, no, like a couple days after this rap. Oh, really? For filming. Oh, I didn't um, know. Yeah, I'd have to dig that up. Um, so, Tennyson is just telling this wild investment opportunity stories. And then Archie, our co-main character i guess if you will he's fed up with tennyson and his bowl and uh, there's several tight shots of uh, archie's ear and tennyson's mouth and i think Just, that's really well done yeah yeah that's a that's really a great well cinematography shot of those close-ups and uh tennyson is he's fed up with his bowl and i'm quoting here he says the only thing worse than talking so much 
is his transparency. In about 30 seconds, Alfred, Alfred, he's speaking to his lawyer, Alfred is standing with him. He says, he will very nonchalantly ask for a loan from anybody within earshot. Yep. So, uh, Colonel Archie Taylor, he's, he can't stand this Tennyson guy, and that becomes very apparent right at the beginning of the episode. And uh, very shortly after that, we have Rod's introduction, which the camera pans to him standing behind like a leather chair, and he delivers his... Um, so, you know, Archie and his lawyer, uh, Alfred, you know, are having this exchange, and Really, you come to find out that Archie wants Alfred to draft up probably some sort of legal um, legal paperwork for this bet that he's about to. Present. Well, he asked him. He said, "Is it? It's not legal, but you know, it's not against the law either. It's yeah. like one of those gray areas." So, you know, that sort of gets unpacked as well. We first thing we we realize that he hates Tennyson. And then he's he's made use of his lawyer Alfred to, to draft this bet, and then he he basically hands the paperwork to who's the Franklin? Is that the yeah, guy? Yeah. The, the like Butler slash yeah, Franklin name, and uh, you know Rod gives his introduction, and then the story picks back up, and Franklin hands this piece of paper to Tennyson, and the, the wager is presented to him. And he's written this most interesting proposal to Tennyson. And uh, Colonel Taylor's instructions are, are he, he wants him to read it immediately as he's delivered to him, to Tennyson. And then after he reads it, Tennyson says, man, this is nonsense. Like, what is this? And then, uh, so... Colonel Taylor is the one that actually reveals the conditions after a back and forth of the wager, like they talk back and forth. And then, you know, Colonel Taylor says he's going to bet Tennyson that he can't be silent for an entire year. And if he can, he will receive $500,000 and then goes on to give these scathing words. And I, I have the quotation if you want me to read it, unless you have anything to interject well, um, in this. I, I, I just want to uh, point out something real quick. Yep. He's asking for a quarter million dollars um, and explaining how he could double or even quadruple it to these fellow club members. Yeah. So here's my here's my question to you. Um, we have found out that he has ran through his inheritance. Yeah. That is something you find out. And see, so he's probably got de- high debt. Number one, um, does he have a gambling problem? I don't know. It makes it seem like as further we go along in the episode that he has a wife who has very <laughs> extravagant spending right. habits. Well, if that's the case, number two, how did he get into this elite club then? Because it's a lot of people that seem rich, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I Is mean, it as elite as you they would, one have would think? To probably, I don't know what the parameters that, yeah, it doesn't really unpack it in the episode. You right. Know, and then the also, um, what kind of job do you think that he has? I don't think it he's says a stockbroker or some kind of investment firm. You think that's uh, what finance? Maybe I guess that would be my best guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, um, you know, he says, I'll give you $500,000 to remain silent for a year. Yeah. Obviously this guy's already asking for a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. So in loans or so investment is, money. for a whole year, you barely made it through a day. You said, yeah, it'd be hard. Um, but, but he's like, you know, fine, I'll accept, but I want this in writing. 
you have to furnish this to me in writing. Yeah, and then he goes on. That this is a key part too because he when they actually come to the agreement. Well, let me back up and let me give the quote because we're jumping ahead in the episode. But let's let's. This is how much disdain that Archie has for Tennyson. Listen to how he rips this is. It says, "What I'm about to say might horrify the average person." But to someone as insensitive as you, it probably won't mean a thing. I dislike you intensely, Tennyson. It goes much beyond the ordinary distaste I feel for someone without breeding, without principles, without manners. Your voice has become intolerable. I sit here each night, and the sound of it makes me wince. I cannot ask you to resign from the club. I haven't got that right. So it occurred to me that I'd be willing to offer a large sum of money just to have some quiet. You see, Tennyson, you could not possibly remain silent for a year. It's not in your nature. You're a shallow, talkative, empty-headed, ne'er-to-do-well, and to remain silent would destroy you. Man, he just rips that guy to shreds. And man, it. <laughs> let's face it, we've all had that one person in our life that just... yeah. Anything you talk about, they have a story. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know you know what I mean. And yeah. It's just, man, can you just shut up but, for one minute? But you know? man, <laughs> I mean, just scathing words. So then Tennyson, after all of that, he decides to accept the colonel's offer. And then coming back around to where we were headed, Jimbo, a second ago, he wants verification. He wants him to write like a certified check or to establish that the funds are in place and Colonel Archie, and this will come into play later in the mm-hmm. episode for sure. Colonel Archie's like, no, no, no. All these guys around here in the club, they'll vouch for my net worth or whatever, that I'm good for the money. And right, stuff. and this is where he says, uh, well, my wife shops at Tiffany's like other shops at supermarkets. <laughs> exactly. I wrote that down too, that quote. And we come to find out that Tennyson, he, yeah, like you said, he might have a gambling problem. That's unclear. But he definitely has a wife that he loves very dearly, and he can't say no to her, and she's basically spending him into the poorhouse uh, at this point. And he's asking, hey, where's all this going to take place? You know, because yeah. we have to, and it's going to be uh, taken in this club down in, like, the basement of the, like, the old game room, I think they said. Mm-hmm. So, and he's like, look, anybody can come in and, and check on me. Um, anybody come talk to me. Um, yeah, which is very interesting because if you look at that, I don't think there was really a bathroom in that, in that class house or whatever. So. Didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't to hold it for a while. Hey, hey, if they can not have any bodily functions for a hundred years in last episode, <laughs> right? What the what the year for yeah. this? So this is where he's asking for a certified check or a photo stat of the funds. He says, and the colonel responds, this isn't a fish market or a pawn shop. Like, I'm good. Like, basically, I'm good for the money. He's basically getting upset. Yeah, that he would even ask such a thing. Um, and then after this, con- the bet is agreed to, the conversation concludes. Then the next scene we come to is, did you have something in, in closing with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we, f- we fade well, out and we come to the, the construction of the glass domain. Right. A, a little bit about that. The... Um the guy that was in charge of the set, mm-hmm. I think his name was George Clemens, if I remember right. Um, he was worried about how he was going to shoot this because of the reflections of the of the glass, glass cell. Mm-hmm. But come to find out, he only had to take out two panes of glass to get all those shots. Oh, really? But I think this is a point where we need to talk about what happened with 
um, Colonel Archie Taylor in real life. And this is why I think this episode is fantastically done. Um, because uh, the day the, the day one shooting went fine. They did the opening and closing scenes. Um, and then they broke for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, on day two, Mr. Franco Tone did not show up. Everyone was supposed to be there by 6 a.m., but by 10 a.m., he still hadn't shown up, so they had to get a hold of his agent. Um, he was in a clinic, but the stories differ as to why he was there. Uh, the first one, uh, Tone tells uh, Liam Sullivan he had been at a party and tried to pick a flower from a bush for his date and had fallen down a hillside oh. and landed on a driveway of the house next door. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, is that a believable story? I don't know. I ain't been to Hollywood, so we'll, 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 we'll say maybe. Number two, Serling, which I think I trust Serling, said that Tone approached a girl in a restaurant parking lot and her boyfriend took offense. Oh. Either way, his face had been scraped up. They didn't have time to recast and they couldn't recast, so they decided to shoot the cage scenes with the other side of his face only. So the left side of his face is what's jacked up. Yeah. Um, since the uh, opening and closing had showed his full face. Um, and I think this next scene, this, these scenes right here is what's awesome because if you see you got um, Alfred peering around the corner where it looks like kind of like the Phantom of the Opera where it's only right. half of his face is in shadow and his right side of his face is in the light. Um, so, um, I think that this might, this accident, whatever the true story is that happened, I think it worked to the advantage of the yeah. episode. I think it, enhanced, uh, it yeah. made him look sly. It made him look predatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the critics actually complimented him on the effort, uh, which I think was great. So yeah, that's, too. that's a little bit, that's why if you watch this episode and, and you, it just brought something more to the episode for me, it did. For sure. So, yeah, it might have, like, we talked off off air here that it might have been, like, a blessing in disguise, really, right. because it ended up enhancing the episode, for sure. Um, so let's talk about inside the glass living quarters a little bit. There, uh, probably a large bulk of the episode is shot in there, and that's amazing. I didn't know about the panes of glass, either. Like, that's that's a pretty, I mean, that that worked out that way. I could see how that would be a reflection issue. But maybe the, the angles, they just took out the panes for the, two, the a couple of different right. angles that he needed inside. Um, but as he's living uh, in, in the, the story itself, Taylor is tempted with money by, you know, or sorry, Taylor is tempting Tennyson with the money, basically saying, hey, what are you doing? There are several passing sh- shots where the you know the months are rolling by, like June, July, and August, and you know give that you was well effect. done too. Yeah, absolutely. The effect of time passing, and uh, you know he's doing different activities like playing cards or trying to do things. Uh, that's Tennyson's trying to do things to pass the time, and but all the while, again, Taylor is tempting him with money to just tap out. Uh, he starts yeah, in with it, rumors uh, about it, his wife. Right. I think he starts off with like $1,000. He's yeah, like, Look, he I'll does. give you $1,000 and you can leave right now. Yeah. Um, I think he, he's becoming scared. Like, yeah, I he can't believe, believe he's made it, it this long. Yeah, he couldn't believe he made it nine weeks at first right. when uh, Franklin is taking him his plate of food. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if you caught that. The first time you see him and in, 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 uh, uh, Archie comes down and Franklin's down there. Mm-hmm. And he asked him, he said, well, how is he doing? He said... This is your first clue. He says, um, I wrote it down right here. He said, well, he wasn't eating well till last week. 
He oh, said, right. yeah. He said, yep, uh, uh, but now, you know, he's doing yeah. fine. Yeah. So uh, we'll say that Twilight Zone twist for a little bit later. But that, if you're paying attention, that yeah. was the first major clue. Yeah, I noticed that when I rewatched it, maybe the second or third time, that, that line is a, is a definite clue. So Taylor, uh, he just shows himself to be super um, not honorable, if you will, slimy. Rumors about his wife with, oh, you know, why isn't your wife come to visit you? You've been in here all this time. And, you know, think about what it's doing to her and sort of trying to tempt him to, to you know, release from the bed. And says, oh, I think I, you know, there are rumors that, you know, your wife was seen getting into a European sports car and all these things just piling as the days go. Yeah, yeah, other men, like, what do you think she's doing right now? And and uh, Archie says in, in the end, I think towards the end, he says, well, if you leave now, you might be able to save your marriage. marriage. Yep. And it's just tearing Tennyson up, you know. You can tell, like, he's just beside himself. Um and so the the days and the months and the years go by, and then the scene changes uh, for the end of the episode. We go back to the main room of the club, and we uh, discover that it's the last day of the bet. And I, I, you know, I think um, what's the lawyer? Alfred? Alfred, the, mm-hmm. the lawyer. I mean, he is he's lost all. Oh yeah, he says respect. He says, look, he's like, there's two minutes to go. He's like, because before this, he's asked him, I think it was like around the six-month mark, three-month mark. Mm-hmm. He says, you do have this money, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's going to make it. Yeah. And he's like, well, what do you mean? You know, yeah. of course I've got it. Yeah. But but you can see this now. There's like two minutes to go. Um, right. And Alfred tells him, he says, look, the rumors have ruined you. They said that nobody has honor for you anymore. Mm-hmm. So... Um, this is where the timer's up, ding, and Alice strolls with confidence. Yeah, Tennyson. Tennyson. All the men are gathered there in the main room of the club, just like before in the opening scenes, and they're waiting. They're all applauding and everything yeah, when he yeah. comes out. And uh, Alfred, Alfred's parting kind of word to uh, the, the colonel is, Archie, you know, he puts a premium on honor, but he's not acting like an honorable man. Right. And then, like you said, Tennyson emerges to collect... But there seems to be some confusion as we go along as to why he doesn't speak. But he only holds out his hand. Right. When like he, he wants the check. Yeah. When he emerges um, from the glass living quarters or whatever. And so. He, and and uh, Alfred, or not Alfred, um, Archie's like, look, man, you can speak now. Right. And um, because this is where he says, look, he's like, I'm a fraud. You know, I don't have any money. I, I, I would have had to beg to get the 5000 I right. offered you back when I was uh, there. Yeah. And he says, don't worry. He's like, I'll resign my position here at the club. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you can tell on the look of Tennyson's face that he is <laughs> visibly upset. And he yeah. pulls out a piece of paper it's and a great piece pen. of acting too because yes. he can't speak and it's all on his facial expression right. everything and he, he just... pulls out they're like why is he doing that why he, he can say and you know he pulls out and he hands it to i believe he hands it to uh archie right or does he hand it to or not archie uh yeah Alfred. archie yeah. it's archie i offered he hands it to yeah um he hands the well, this well we discover like just like you said that taylor's broke and he's welching on the bet while tennyson 
we come, this is a double Twilight Zone twist, He we come to discover that he is cheated, and it's written down on that note, by severing the nerves in his vocal cords so as not to be able to speak, thereby ensuring that he would win the bet. Right. And if you notice, too, he's wearing, what's well, a little clue, you don't notice it at first, but he's wearing like an ascot or a little scarf. It might be a Scooby-Doo, you know, the, Fred yeah, and Scooby-Doo. the whole time. Right. So as it's not a, to it's reveal every... this big scar that's right underneath his, like, uh, or right above, like, his Adam's apple where right. he's had surgery. And you've seen it the whole episode. He's had it on the entire time. Yeah. Great Twilight Zone twist in right. this one. And, but and she, the facial expressions here, we're at the Yeah, point and he's here like crying, he's, dude, you know. And, and, yeah, uh, it just goes from completely high, like his, he's smiling and elated that he's made it, and he, he sticks out his hand to, you know, look collect at, the money, yeah. and then his face just drops as he is coming to the realization that there's I no would, way he's going to get I would paid. not be able to keep my part of the bargain, this note says. So he said, so one year ago, I had the nerves to my vocal cords severed. And this is where he pulls the, the scarf off. Reveal, yeah. yeah. And everyone in the room is stunned, standing around. And then, so, and then so we fade out in the end of the poor, episode. Poor Jamie Tennyson. He's lost twice in this episode. Yep. He might have lost more than that because he probably lost his wife too. Yeah. But he lost the money that he was the bet. And he lost his vocal cords for the rest of his life. I know. Um, but I think I think uh, the the bigger reveal here is that you see how bad Archie really is. Um, he is the true monster of this episode, mm-hmm. uh, and for somebody, and, and I thought it was very interesting that for somebody that uh, was mad at Tennyson for talking all the time. He sure didn't hold back when he was trying to get him out of the cage. He was down there talking the entire time right. to him, trying to egg him out of there. Yeah. So basically the roles were reversed, and I think that was very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, uh, just a few trivia points here, and we can discuss our likes and dislikes and questions and observations. But uh, the plot of a man accepting a bet that he could remain isolated or being unable to speak rather than having no direct human contact for a year and the desperation of the one waiting for the bet to finish was inspired by Anton Chekhov's short story called The Bet. So the origins of this particular episode are derived from that story. Uh, this is one of only, I thought this was interesting, only one of only four Twilight Zones episodes that notably contain no science fiction or fantasy elements. When you think about it, that's uh, yeah, kind of interesting. Um, the entire episode for the, uh, was filmed on stage three at Hal Roach Studios. To create the interior of the men's club with prop rentals, newspapers, plants, and other materials, materials Cayuga was billed a total cost of $330. Wow, the whole, the whole set for this episode was $330. The cave door in the last episode was 330 by itself. That's kind of interesting. The solarium where Tennyson was incarcerated for 12 months uh, came in at a cost of $1,309 to construct. Um, there isn't a whole lot of trivia with this episode. I do have some quotes from some of the actors. Um, Liam Sullivan, who played Tennyson, he said this about Rod. Rod was a very quiet fellow on the set recalled uh, Sullivan for uh, author Mark Phillips. He let the director take over in most things. He was a terrific writer, and after that experience, I was a Twilight Zone fan. 
the long speech that I had in the opening sequence was three pages. So if we go back to the very beginning, when Tennyson is rambling on and talking about all his deals, that that's that goes on for quite a few minutes. Um, so that sequence was three pages long. The day of shooting, Rod came up and asked me if I could memorize an additional page of dialogue on the spot. I was doing so well, he wanted to lengthen the scene. I said if he could write it that fast, I could memorize it. He went off into a corner and started scribbling. He handed me the sheets off of his notepad. I picked a corner and started memorizing. He was very pleased with the results. I thought that was pretty cool mm. that Roderick just on the spot could go into a corner and scribble, you know, an additional page of dialogue for him. And that also think, that he could memorize I think I'm more, more impressed for the memorization. Yeah, yeah. So that's really all I have as far as trivia is concerned. Not a whole lot with this episode all right eric i just this just popped into my head and i think i'm going to start adding it to every twilight zone episode we do okay so at the end of the episode i'm going to ask you (laughs) if you could keep or get one piece of prop from this episode what would you take to add to your twilight zone collection Mm, okay for this episode boy i don't know you taking the scarf that's that's what instantly came to my mind, but yeah, that would probably be one of the biggest I, I'd prop pieces that you would either want that to or either the note that the he, notepad. Well, the notepad or even the note that he gave oh, yeah, at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. One of those three, I would yeah. say. So I think that's a pretty cool little thing that okay. we can start throwing in the episode. So uh, most coveted prop from each right. episode. Okay, uh, we already talked about. Uh, we already talked about this off the top. What's the longest you've ever gone without speaking? You never really answered. How long do you think you've ever gone? More than an hour? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Two hours? Easily. I think I went about half a day. Three quarters of a day. Probably, including sleep. Oh, well, yeah. 36 hours, maybe. Okay. Maybe. I didn't factor in sleep. And then, I mean, hypothetically. Hypothetically, (laughs) the person in the fifth dimension probably realized, might as well just go ahead and get it over with. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> come to your sentence. yeah okay then i i looked this up I, this jogged my mind but uh what's the longest amount of time that someone has spent in solitary confinement mm-hmm. i thought about that and the answer according to what i found was almost 44 years this man albert woodfox he was in a six point six by nine foot cell in louisiana state penitentiary for almost 44 years and that reminds me of when we did our last live show at the haunted jail or what oh, yeah. in boone county they had a solitary it, confinement it room is, and it really is that small and cramped it and would make you crazy there's no way i know that about myself there's no way i could spend one year in solitary confinement let alone almost 44 years so yeah uh th- i thought that was kind of an interesting thing to pursue um, this is a great, this is a great Twilight Zone double twist. Uh, I thought it was excellent. First time I saw it, it, it was excellent. It's excellent this time. Um, and this is just a biblical reference. I thought this came to my mind. No man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Mm-hmm. And you see that on both sides yep. of the equation, as you talked about, um, both the Colonel and Tennyson, their tongues just got them in all kinds of trouble. Um, and I think also just observing the episode, I think both could, you could make the argument that both were obnoxious braggarts again, just uh, going off of your thought, like the tables kind of flipped. Mm -hmm. Maybe 
maybe the colonel sees a reflection in the mirror of himself and that's why he can't stand uh Tennyson you know because deep down he knows he 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 wants to believe that he's more noble that he's a better bred and that he's more honorable than Tennyson but really at the end of the day he's not um so i thought i thought that was a great connection too and uh one person one um reviewer that i read i think it was on imdb he titled his review the bluff and the cheater so i thought that was a good summary huh. of the episode I think it was a great episode. Personally, it was a lot better than the last episode. I know we beat to death the Rip Van Winkle uh, caper. I think this one comes in at a strong eight, just just on the t- t- the double twist alone. But Timo, what do you think? Well, I, I you know the last time that we had a double twist that I can remember, I believe it was a stop at Willoughby. Yeah, if I remember yep. right, and I do believe that that was our one and two. Uh, of the top episode of, of the season, season one, that yeah. mirror image, I do believe that mm-hmm. those are the two. Um, so just for that fact alone, it's definitely coming out at an eight, maybe a nine, um, because it was so great. The, the the whole once you dig in and you find out that um, Archie had that uh, issue with his face getting scraped up, and how he comes down those stairs and how he's peeking around the corners with those shadows on his face and. Uh, just how, if you notice what they have, the, you ever been to a, um, let's say like a bank teller or even a gas station late at night and they have that little intercom thing they push mm-hmm. and you're talking through, mm-hmm. they have this in this for this cell for him to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And if you notice while you're watching that too, he's sitting there on the side talking to him with just the right side of his face again, mm-hmm. not the left side. So it is kind of like talking out of the side of his mouth because you can tell it's kind of sly, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, those shots were excellently done. So for me, I think that is just. Bar none, excellent. I, you know, I think I'm going to push it up to a nine. I think I will. I think and I'll I go think, to an eight and a half. And I really think At that uh, Archie, dude, he, he, you just love to hate him. I mean, he was just perfect in that. Yeah, he almost was a the, the, the temptation that segment that yeah in the episode just made you yeah it was eerie, well acted, devilish almost. And Jamie did Jamie did excellent with his facial expressions because he didn't really have a lot of dialogue after yeah, half exactly. halfway through the episode yeah. you know what i mean so well done definitely very well done. well done so if you'd like to follow us we are the tragedy cinema podcast um on facebook all the social medias if you'd like to reach out to us we are the tragedy cinema at gmail.com um also if you'd like to leave us a review mm-hmm. on apple itunes uh, spotify wherever we will read it on the air yeah, either like on said, this tell, or tell the main me, feed tell me how bad i do on these um definitely well we've already lost half our listenership because you said you hated the marvel universe so <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah feel free drop me a line and tell me how wrong messaging my disgusting Facebook. i am yeah um, but we all know that the main superheroes are batman and superman so <laughs> i put superman number one batman number two I think Batman has the greatest villains of all time. Joker, Riddler, Penguin. We'll save that for another I was going to say, we can go a, a real talk or something. So, <laughs> with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut. Mr. Jamie Tennyson, who almost won a bet, but who discovered somewhat belatedly that gambling can be a most unproductive pursuit, even with loaded dice marked cards, or as in his case, some severed vocal cords. For somewhere beyond him, a wheel was turned, and his number came up black 13. If you don't believe it, ask the croupier, the very special one who handles roulette in the Twilight Zone. <laughs>